BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I don't really know welcome. what I don't really know what just happened there, but I I think I lost my train of thought. Well, let's get back on track. Let's do it. Okay. I would you know what I want to talk about today, Corey? What's that? I want to talk about how there are many paths to success, right? And sometimes I feel like we get a little can I say gridlocked? Would that make sense? Keep explaining. We get a little gridlocked on what we think is the right path to success. So we just get laser focused on one thing. Maybe we follow a coach or a guru or, you know, maybe you listen to Adam Carolla's podcast and you think that the only way to success is what Adam tells you is the way to success. Well, first of all, that's true. Okay. So we well, can just put that. Put that to bed? Yeah, put that one to bed. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah, that makes sense in that. I guess people's definitions of success are probably incorrect, even if it is their own personal definition, because they see somebody online that has a million Instagram followers and they were featured on the news and they have a yacht, whatever it is, and they're like, oh, that's success. But is that really what you want? I mean, that looks fun, kind of can be fun, but realistically, is that what you want? Because keeping up with a million Instagram followers, that's like a team of social media people you have to deal with. Yachts are expensive. Do you interview well? There's all of these things that seem like they're fun, but there's a lot of work that goes into maintaining this stuff that looks like success. Right. And you can't really have, I can't, I can't say this word. I already know. I can't say it. Anonymity. Anonymity. Yeah. That one. Anonymity. And have that level of notoriety, success? Sure. And so you have to be prepared for that. So, Corey, would you exchange your privacy for $10 million? No. Okay. Absolutely not. Right. Would you exchange it for $100 million? We're getting closer. <laughs> Everything has a price. <laughs> Everything does have a price. But I just, I think about this a lot because, you know, listen, you could have, you could be working with a coach or somebody who's telling you, here's what you need to do for social media. Like you need to do, you need to post videos daily or something like that. And the reality is that's one path. Yeah, you could post videos daily, but there's a lot of other things you could do too. So just because what you took to be successful Corey doesn't mean that that would work for me or that it's something that I want to do that. So like you have to kind of carve out what makes sense for you. Sure. And it's what, like you said, what makes sense for you, what fits your personal brand, your culture, your voice, all of those things. And what, what you're willing to do, what you're capable of doing. You and I have gotten into this debate a number of times of like, how often should you post on social media and like, you know, what, uh, what f- platforms you should use and ha- how you should interact with um, your your audience. And for me, I'm like, well, I wouldn't want 
if I was the audience, I wouldn't want that. You're like, but you're not the audience. And I'm like, but I am kind of the audience, but I'm not the audience. Not really. I mean, but I am. But, <laughs> right. But, but again, it's defining what that success is. And, and, yeah. and then having to make that, I guess, um, negotiation with yourself on what you're willing to give up in order to hit it. And one place that we are in complete and total agreement is in the area of emails, right? So the way that we run it, emails in our business. Now, a lot of people might tell us that we are crazy because we don't really send a lot of emails to our email list. Like maybe once a week, maybe, right? Yeah. But we know a lot of people who like, you should be emailing on your email list at least you know, two, three times a week and you should sometimes daily and you should be sending them offers and all this stuff. And it's like, I don't like to receive that many emails. So I am definitely not going to send that many emails. Sure. But what if some expert, some guru came on our show and said, you should be sending two emails a day. Oh, fuck that guy. Hey. Fuck that guru. All right. Well, I don't want to post on social every day. So fuck that guru. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, for the, for our audience, I'm that guru. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, well played. No, I okay, I, but I, I, we don't argue about the frequency of it, right? We're not. We, we like look. Our whole thing has always been be consistent. Sure. Now there are some people who post every day. We post most days. And, you know, there are some things where we're like, that's dumb. I don't want to do that. Why are we doing this? Like, we used, Corey, we used to write blogs every day. Oh, I remember that. Oh, I do, too. I do, too. Um, now, once a week, and even that sometimes feels like a total grind. Yeah, you don't even really do it anymore. <laughs> I know that's because you won't let me because <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't know how to write. Well, you don't know how to write. I don't know if it's quickly or efficiently or what the word is. But it's just that one conversation where you're like, I got, I spent like four hours on this and I got stuck and I was like, your time is better elsewhere. <laughs> I can pump out a blog in like 30 minutes. <laughs> that is, that, that sadly, that is 100% true. And it's almost like I skipped third grade because like my grammar knowledge, I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know what happened. Like, I, like, I don't, it's like I never learned it. It's stupid. Yeah. And, and you've also just stopped even trying. I gave up. You did. You really <laughs> did. I, and I stopped trying to make you better at it. And I just <laughs> let the commas fly. Well, I, you know, here's the thing. I'm like, I don't really have to be great at grammar because you're great at grammar. So I don't have to be. Sure. But it's still like when I'm reading an email from you, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Not going to say anything. <laughs> I know. And I'm trying to use less dot, dot, dot and dashes in my communications because I know that sends you over the literal edge. Uh, no, it's just you just pick up a habit randomly. It's like you pull you know, like a dartboard I don't know about and you just throw a dart at it. You're like, oh, this week it's going to be parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that wasn't true. But you know what I'm really happy about? That we can laugh about. Yes. It. Yeah, yes. that makes sense. All right. You want to take a break and come back and talk more about, I don't know, let's let's. Let's pick a new topic for after the break. Sure. All right. With so many things competing for our attention these days, efficiently acquiring and retaining customers is critical for small businesses. And that's why we launched Certivium, the newest business from the SB Pace team. Certivium is a business created specifically for entrepreneurs who need a hand with customer service, customer engagement, and social media management. We are an affordable option that any small business looking to grow needs to help maintain the most important part of their business. 
their customers. Find out if Certivium is right for your business at Certivium.com. All right, and welcome back to the show, everybody. We've got Cynthia Thurlow on. She is a nurse practitioner, an intermittent fasting expert, and author of Intermittent Fasting Transformation. Welcome to the show, Cynthia. Thanks so much for having me. We're, we're excited for the conversation today. Um, I think our listeners are really going to enjoy your story, but let's start with um, just telling our listeners a little bit about you. Well, I'm a traditionally trained uh, nurse practitioner. My whole background is in ER medicine and cardiology. And about 10 years ago, I started to become increasingly disillusioned with writing prescriptions and, and felt like we were really not focusing on the root cause of why my patients were not getting better per se. They were just getting sicker, getting more medications added. And so six years ago, without a business plan, I took a tremendous leap of faith and left clinical medicine and started my own business. And the irony is I'm married to an engineer and a pretty fiscally conservative guy who completely lost his mind when I left a well-paying six-figure job to become an entrepreneur. Um, But the past six years have been incredibly validating. And I certainly have done some uh, pretty amazing things, started a podcast, uh, did a couple TED Talks, wrote a book, And, you know, I know for sure now that that was the best decision I could have ever made. I also am a wife and a mom of two teenage boys and two crazy doodles. One's a labradoodle, one's a golden doodle um, and live on the East Coast. So I'm in a really good place in my life. And I think becoming an entrepreneur is one of the best decisions I could have ever made. Although I did not have a clear cut business plan, um, I landed exactly where I was supposed to be. So let's talk about that, I guess, trying to figure it out as you go. If you didn't have that that background, that entrepreneurial background, you had the spirit, obviously, but it wasn't something that you had trained for because you were obviously in the medical field. Um, what was that like? I mean, what were the some of the highlights, some of the low points? Oh, I mean, <laughs> um, I would never recommend you not have a business plan because I really didn't have the fundamental understandings of how to even create a business. And so I kind of flopped and floundered around and figured it out. I'm smart enough to know what resources I needed to kind of employ. And I would say one of the best decisions I ever made was was investing in myself with a business coach. And so my first business coach, although not as aligned as future and subsequent business coaches, really kicked me in the ass and said, you need to create your own programs. You need to get on video. You need to be doing social media content every single day. And I had to get beyond, you know, the fact that I'm an introvert by nature. And the only way to really market your business is to show people who you are. So I feel like each business coach that I had, I learned tremendously from. So best decision number one was hiring a business coach and making that investment. I would say number two is, figuring out uh, ways to challenge yourself. You know, for me being an introvert, um, doing a TED talk was kind of a scary thing, but yet it was a safe, scary thing to do. And that made me grow in ways that I can't even quantify, but allowed me to develop into exactly the type of public speaker I wanted to be, to really learn how to to think on my feet, um, to certainly take the best of my background. You know, I have a really strong medical education and a lot of knowledge base and be able to share it with the world in in ways that I'm impacting more lives than I would have been if I were just seeing patients in a clinic or a hospital. On the negative side, and I try to reframe that, the things I learned the most from, um, number one, 
I, I think it's better to employ the services of someone that's going to keep your business really well organized sooner rather than later. I think I held off building a team a little longer than I should have. I was doing a lot of work behind the scenes and let's be clear, I'm not the most, I'm very tech savvy, but I'm not as tech savvy as my team is. And I wish I had hired help a whole lot earlier. I think when you get to a point in your business, when you're becoming profitable, you definitely have to reinvest in the business, hiring people to do things that you're not as good at. I would say number two, uh, the other thing is creating healthy boundaries. It's very easy for us as entrepreneurs to work 24 seven. And so I think it's important that you train your customers or your clients or your patients that you're not available 24 seven, that you're not going to respond to every email, that you're not going to respond to every text message instantaneously, because we teach our patients, clients, customers by how and when we respond to their messages. So one thing I, I've learned is to not be terribly accessible 24 seven. I am very accessible during regular business hours on the weekends, on the evenings, I try very hard not to respond to messages unless there's a clear cut reason why I need to. And I would say third, be open to the possibility that, you know, you are going to need to continue to invest in your education, your training throughout your lifetime. It is not a one and done. I think a lot of people think it isn't important to continue training. I mean, I probably at any one given point in time have four or five books. I mean, they're listening to or learning from um, not only learning from, but applying. I think that's a critical distinction. A lot of people read a lot of things, but they don't actually take action. And I think that's a big differentiator. That taking action on what you read is critical, right? It's It doesn't work through osmosis and you, mm-hmm. you have to actually take action against it. I am really curious about, I want to go back to one of the first things that you just said where you were talking about the first coach you had in the posting on social media daily, the videos, ironically, and we did not have a conversation about this. That is the one of the topics that Corey and I covered on the first part of the show before you joined us was <laughs> the um, when you have a coach or you follow somebody on um, social media or, or you, on the internet, you just, you follow somebody and you value what they say. And, you know, they're saying, you know, the path to success is you must do this and figuring out how much of that is actually applicable for yourself? Like how much can you deviate and like the different paths to success? So we spend a good amount of time talking about that because we have very differing opinions on social media. Well, on the application of social media, we both agree we don't really like social media, but it is a necessary evil as a part of being an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And And I think that obviously you have to know your niche. You have to know your audience. The, the niche that I'm in, people, when people see me, they respond more to posts, they invest more in themselves, they buy programs, they buy ebooks. And so I acknowledge as an introvert, I have to be really uh, very deliberate about where I put my energy because to me, uh, I love connecting with people, but as an introvert, I have to be respectful of my boundaries. And so I can kind of tell my team knows this as the day kind of goes on <laughs> that I'm less inclined to get on video on social media. So I usually have to find the time in my day when I'm feeling like most apt to engage. But I, I think, you know, as an example, everyone in the health and wellness space talks about the value of certain platforms and you know, I've dipped my toe in the pond on TikTok and it just has never felt like the right fit for me. And I made a decision probably two weeks ago to, you know, shut that account down. And I know it works really well for a lot of people, but I think you have to, you can't be everywhere. 
uh, you know, because you have to be a different, you have to have a different variation of your business everywhere you go, you know, based on the needs and the intricacies of that platform. And I just think you stick with, you know, the platforms where you know that your, your content resonates, it feels energetically aligned. You feel um, like you're being very purposeful. And I think, you know, we can spread ourselves too thin if we're trying to be too many things to too many people and just being very, very crystal clear about who you serve. I think that's, the one thing I've learned that when we try to serve too many and we're too like, there's, there's, you're spread really too thin. You're more apt to make, you know, the message isn't quite as clear and deliberate. And that just that laser focus in general is so important, whether it's what, who your target market is, what your business does, but like we've been talking about is what makes the most sense for your business when it comes to social media. So I don't have social media, but I do reels and I don't mind doing reels for Instagram because it takes me sometimes like 45 seconds and I'm done. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm done for the week. And then that's it. You know, like I don't, I don't engage with people. I don't like comment or anything like that. So there's a lot of stuff that, that we do that I'm not involved with, but like on the team, I'm like, okay, if you need if you need me to dance, this monkey will dance. Yeah, we sort of have a no no edits, no retakes policy. We're like, we're gonna we're, you're gonna see it like it is, and sometimes it's really good, and sometimes it's not. <laughs> but we're okay with. <laughs> but that. I think there's, but I think it's real life. Yeah, like clearly, when I put stuff up on YouTube, it's been edited because usually it's it's a long video and it needs some editing. But most other things, I usually tell my team if it's. You know, I think if you overthink things, you'll just, you'll, you'll never, you'll never get, you'll never release it because it's never going to be perfect. So the whole concept of perfectionism, which a lot of women in particular struggle with, I'm like, you're never going to have the best hair day. It's never going to be the day everything's falling into place. Just do it because that's not what people are tuning in for. They're tuning into the message. They're not tuning into all the artifice. I think that's where a lot of social media gets it wrong, that there's everything's so heavily filtered and so heavily quaffed and so heavily um, you know, adulterated that you, you forget that what you're trying to really do is connect with people in a non-artificial way. And I, I also think that, that part of the message is your mess, right? Like people want to see (laughs) humans. They want, they want to know like that they're not the only people. And, and there, there is such a large subset of the population that really goes overboard on wanting to appear perfect or better than, or, you know, I've got like, I'm super successful. And that is so damaging to other entrepreneurs where, you know, you are then, you know, as an entrepreneur, you become ashamed of your lack of success because you're measuring yourself against something that's not even real. It's, it's just, it's crazy. And that's, that just plays a psychological game that most people can't afford to be playing. Right. Right. And I, and I think there's also, I think on the other extreme, some people feel like they, they're, they feel uncomfortable sharing their success because they don't want to be judged or they're concerned that they'll be criticized. And so I think social media, there are a lot of individuals, whether they're trolls or whether they're actual human beings that like to just, you know, go out of their way to make things unpleasant. I think that's, that's one of the, the negative sides of social media is that sometimes people go from being constructive and helpful to being completely the antithesis of that. And, and I see so much of it. In fact, I have an avatar for the troll. There's always like a troll on Twitter, or Instagram. <laughs> and my joke is that the troll is like a 50 year old obese guy who lives in his mother's basement. His name is Fred. And so Fred is the, the troll in my head. That is the person that kind of precipitates a lot of mischief and just 
you know, not just on my account, but on plenty of people's accounts. It's like you put yourself out there. That's sometimes what you can encounter. You just hope that you can buffer it as much as possible. <laughs> so I'm going to make sure that my sister-in-law, Stacy listens to this episode because <laughs> the every time that she encounters a troll, she's like, I know this dude is overweight and in his mom's basement. So you all have yep. the same troll. That's fantastic. Yep. We would be absolutely remiss if we did not dive into your core area of expertise. So let's talk a little bit about intermittent fasting and your new book that just launched because I am sure our listeners can learn something from you on this topic. Yeah. Well, you know, intermittent fasting is a concept that's not new or novel, although it's gained popularity in the last several years. And so the book is really designed to guide women through intermittent fasting. I think in many ways, uh, you can't apply all the same principles to women and men and expect to get the same results. And so you know, I'm all for embracing our own unique physiology and embracing the hormonal fluctuations we get week to week, day to day throughout our menstrual cycle um, and beyond that stage in our lives when women head into menopause and they have 12 months without a menstrual cycle. So I kind of dive into the why, you know, why it's beneficial, the hormones that it helps balance, um, lots of the key benefits, which are beyond just changing body composition, um, all the things that are far more important than that. And then really kind of walk women through a 45 day program that I designed uh, coming out of that viral TED talk that I did. And then there's 50 recipes that are all, you know, animal predominantly animal-based protein and super healthy, but designed to be quick, easy and healthy for women to throw together. But it's a book that women and men can benefit from because every woman that's out there has a man in their life, a man, men or men, a man or men in their life. Um, I always say I'm the only female in my house. So I always think about I'm, I'm around all male pets and male humans. So I think it's a, an extraordinarily beneficial book uh, because there's nothing else like it out there. And it's really been such an incredible honor to be able to bring this, literally bring this to life because uh, it's been floating around in my head for about three years. And now it'll be available for people to kind of have a little piece of me coaching them along the way and doing it successfully. So I'm wondering if you liked the writing process as much as Corey did when we wrote our book. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. I, I think that people don't realize that writing a book really is intense. And uh, unless you're an unusual person, it's it's a lot harder than you expect it to be. Not impossible. I mean, I wrote a book during a pandemic and why kids homeschooling from home and in the midst of multiple moves. And so, you know, every distraction and excuse in the world, but it still came to fruition. So was that your experience? Did you enjoy writing your book? Oh, I just, I hated it. Every minute of it. <laughs> Not really. It wasn't that bad, but the whole process, cause it was, it, it it's hard work. It's time consuming. And it's one of, it's just something that in my mind, I was like, I just, I did not, didn't enjoy it. So every time that we had to reread the book or go through edits again and again and again and read this chapter and read it out loud, like I was like, I'm fed up with this. I'm so done with this book. Mm -hmm. Just let's just publish it. I don't even care. And and I would say this, if you know where I'm a big advocate for, you know, realism and not going for perfection. I do think when you're writing a book and you're getting ready to publish it, that is the one area that you want to be perfect if you can, because 
Like, yes, you can go back and make edits, especially, you know, with now, like you're, you're not running to print with millions of copies. They can more print on demand and make changes really quickly for an ebook. But still, like you want it to as close to perfection as possible because people put their hands on that. They start reading it. And if they can like literally like circle and count up the mistakes as they're going through it, like you lose credibility really fast if your book isn't well done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have to agree. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, my second manuscript was, so first manuscript was accepted. Then I had to edit, make a second manuscript with some minor edits. And then I recorded my audiobook last month and I was still making edits because there were still things until I spoke them out loud. I was like, oh my gosh, that's wrong. Or, oh my gosh, this sentence doesn't make any sense. And so you can get into analysis paralysis where you feel like it's never going to be ready. And so I just got to a point where I was like, there've been a thousand eyes on this. This has to be, you know, this is the, this is the definitive first edition of this book uh, because you just get to a point where I, I almost think you've, you've been so saturated in your own words that you sometimes lose objectivity because you've just seen it so much. Um, at least that's certainly how I felt. And, and when I did the audiobook, that really brought it to life. It was like, wow, okay, this is real. This is coming to fruition. This is a real entity. Yeah, and um, we are getting close on time here, but I wanted to just give you, um, just ask you real quick. I mean, the the con the the idea of intermittent fasting makes sense to me, in, in that it, I mean, thousands of years ago, we didn't weren't walking around with pantries. We would eat, mm-hmm. you know, a big meal maybe once a day if we're lucky, and that's it. Um, and so, you know, like you said, it's not it's nothing new or nothing novel. But what's like one one tidbit that we can walk away from uh, this show today that that we might not have known? Well, I think, you know, in our kind of hedonistic culture right now, where we have accessibility to everything and anything, and that includes meals and snacks and meal and hyper palatable foods, processed foods. I think it's important to understand that the value of eating less often is actually the way our bodies are designed to thrive. And by that, I mean, eating two or three meals a day and not snacking and not drinking sugary beverages in between. So when, as a clinician, the amount of metabolic inflexibility, metabolic disease, insulin resistance is now at a, at a public health threat. And so eating less often is one strategy that people can embrace, even if they don't change what they're eating initially, that can help them, you know, gain their health back. I've seen it happen thousands and thousands of times. And so the real takeaway is that this is a sustainable long-term strategy that people can employ around vacations, celebrations, their personal and professional life, and allow themselves to come back into alignment with way the, the way our bodies are really designed to thrive. And this is quite honestly how we were able to get from caveman times until now was that our bodies know how to survive with less food. So the whole concept of eating less often is really the best way to live. Can I, can I ask another question? I, I've, I've, I'm always curious when it comes to, you know, there's so many opinions and so many people pushing, this is the way to do it. This is the way to do it. When it comes to IF, the one question mm-hmm. that I always have is if you are, if you, if you're, let's say that you're doing like a, you know, 18, six window or something, right. Where you're fasting for 18 hours and eating in, during this six hour window, one of the things that we're taught is that you need to refuel after you work out. But what if you work out, like, let's say that I am a AM, I'm an AM worker outer. Sure. That's a word. 
But <laughs> my fasting window doesn't close until like 4 p.m., right? Mm-hmm. So how do you handle getting protein back into your body after you work out, especially if you're doing like weight training? And I know you do weight training, Cynthia. So how do you, you're doing wit resistance training. So what, what, what's the best advice you can give on that? Or maybe I've been misinformed and you should just tell me that because that would help me greatly. Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's a common one. Um, our body kind of recognizes what we consume in a 24 hour cycle. So if the concern is I'm in a fasted state and I'm exercising and I've been conditioned to believe I have to have a protein shake before and after exercise and a big meal, I'd be the first person to say our body counts what we've taken in over a 24 hour period of time. And as long as you're able to get sufficient amounts of animal-based protein in your feeding window, then you're fine. If you're struggling to get enough protein in your diet, then you may need to adjust your fasting and feeding schedule. And that's what a lot of people do is they recognize, okay, I have to have two good sized meals and I probably need a a high quality protein shake, or maybe I need some bone broth. Um, But I, I think always in the context of how do you feel when you're exercising in a fasted state you know, can you adjust your fasting and your feeding window? I think that's critically important, understanding that it's really designed to be flexible. And then lastly, are you getting your macros in? So are you eating enough protein? So protein is critically important for muscle protein synthesis, uh, as well as a slew of other things. You want to think about your muscles as uh, uh, certainly an adaptive strategy for retaining metabolic flexibility. Think of them as glucose reservoirs. So you want to be insulin sensitive, you want to build and maintain muscle. So I would say focus less on when specifically you're getting your protein in and just making sure you're getting enough into that feeding window, if not adjust your, your feeding and fasting schedule. That explains it very well. Thank you. You're yep. welcome. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show and uh, for everybody out there, go check out Cynthia's book. It's intermittent, intermittent fasting transformation. And you can find out how to purchase that book and everything about Cynthia on her website, CynthiaThurlow.com. All of that information will be in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Cynthia. We really appreciate it. This was a great conversation and I'm really glad that we made the flip and started to, we talked a little bit about your book and and your area of expertise because uh, that was super interesting. I now almost wish we would have talked about it for the whole show. Um, (laughs) And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We really appreciate you. And as I said, everything you need to know about us and about Cynthia is in the show notes. And everything that you need to know about us, or if you want to connect with us, or if you, uh, I don't know, want to pay us money, you can go to sbpace.com and all of our information's out there. I just realized that I read the wrong part. That's fine. Let's this, just roll with it. This happens every time we do our outro. I'm sorry, Corey. Also, hey, listen, um, download and rate our podcast. We love feedback. We love being judged. So please do it. It helps with the ratings and the better we're rated, the better we perform. It's almost like we're circus animals, Corey. We have a radio show too. It's called Defeat the Chaos. It is on the Voice America Business Channel and it airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern, but you can catch the replays at any time. And you can purchase our number one Amazon best-selling book, Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness on our website. The link is there. And if you've already purchased it, make sure to head back out to Amazon, rate, and review it. Yeah, and we're so goofed up on this one. I also forgot to talk about Certivium, our other business. We do social media management and customer service management for small business owners. It's amazing. 
I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America. 